In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, cleanse my heart and my lips, Almighty God, that I may proclaim your gospel worthily. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Just before the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and in the temple he found people selling cattle and sheep and pigeons, and the money changers sitting at their counters there. Making a whip out of some cord, he drove them all out of the temple, cattle and sheep as well, scattered the money changers' coins, knocked their tables over, and said to the pigeon sellers, Take all this out of here and stop turning my father's house into a market. Then his disciples remembered the words of scripture, Zeal for your house will devour me. The Jews intervened and said, What sign can you show us to justify what you have done? Jesus answered, Destroy this sanctuary and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews replied, it has taken 46 years to build this sanctuary. Are you going to raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the sanctuary that was his body. When Jesus rose from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the words he had said. The Gospel of the Lord Today we celebrate the solemnity of the dedication of St. John Lateran, the first church to be formally dedicated after Constantine allowed Christians to practice their faith freely and openly. Prior to this, the persecuted church or the community of Christians clandestinely gathered in church houses, residential homes which included a whole of a room meant for worship and the celebration of the Mass. Many Catholics may not be aware that the Cathedral of the Bishop of Rome, the Pope, is not the Basilica of St. Peter, but the Basilica of St. John Lateran. For the above reasons, it is only fitting that the following inscription appears on the facade of this ancient church, Omnium Ubis et Orbis Ecclesiarum Mater et Caput, meaning the mother and mistress of all churches of Rome and the world. The celebration of the dedication or consecration of a building, even though it may be of a church, seems strange and anachronistic to many of us. This risk being seen as some form of architectural idolatry. Are we worshipping a building rather than worshipping in a building. We have perhaps been told in the past that a church is not a building, but in reality a community of believers. Thus a church building seems only secondary to our identity. Such an explanation seems to say it's more about the people than about the building, which explains the common caution from goodwill people that we should be busy building communities rather than wasting money building churches. The shop lot churches of the Protestants perhaps lend greater support to this type of reasoning. We can actually worship anywhere and everywhere, they claim. Buildings are just a necessary evil. 
What we fail to recognize is that such reasoning is not, has never been, and never will be part of Catholic thought. It flies against our sacramental sense of things. The age-old definition of St. Thomas Aquinas for a sacrament is outward sign of inward grace, constantly reminds us that our material world, so transformed and divinized by the Incarnation, allows us to have a glance of the spiritual and invisible realm. Therefore, St. Augustine describes the church building as an outward sign of who we are interiorly. What was done here as these walls were rising is reproduced when we bring together those who believe in Christ. For by believing they are hewn out, as it were, from mountains and forests, like stones and timber, but by catechizing, baptism and instruction, they are, as it were, shaped, squared and plain by the hands of the workers and artisans. Nevertheless, they do not make a house for the Lord until they are fitted together through love. Sermon number 36, St. Augustine The Church's Catechism is in stone, therefore. It is properly said to be a sacramental building since it makes present to us the realities of heaven and earth at the end of time. The past, the present and the future converge in this architectural image. In the time of shadow, the Temple of Solomon gave us a look at this future glory. In the future, in a time of realization of the promise, the celebrations of heaven will be purely communion and feasts without need of material mediation. But now, as beings who perceive through the senses, we human beings require the image. The church building, with its liturgical arts, tell us in a way that nothing else can what heaven looks like, who is there, and what the nature of redeemed creation might be like. In short, it gives us a foretaste of the realities by way of image. This is why a church cannot just be viewed functionally. When liturgical architecture presents merely a functional or at least neutral setting or is viewed as a museum or devotional objects, then the consequences are dire. There is tourism in the ancient maxim, lex orandi, lex credendi, lex vivendi. The law of prayer determines the law of belief, which ultimately determines the law of life. Thus a church built purely on consideration of acoustic soundness and seating capacity, one which resembles an auditorium or a convention hall, may actually result in people expecting entertainment and outstanding performances, rather than inspire reverential awe for the purpose of sacred worship. It is no wonder that people are more often found dressed like they are going to the pub or a stroll in a park or a concert, rather than coming before the King of Kings, surrounded by his heavenly court. As we celebrate the dedication, the birthday of our Mother Church, a day where we renew our fraternal communion with our Holy Father, the Church of Rome, we are called to celebrate the beauty of Holy Mother, the Church, which is reflected in the beauty of a churches. St. John Paul II, writing to artists, reminds them and all of us, quote, Beauty enthuses us for work, 
and work is to raise us up. End of quote. In our fallen earthly condition, in a dehumanizing age where man is often valued in a utilitarian way, where despair becomes a constant temptation, we are in need of joy and enthusiasm. The beauty of our churches inspire both joy and enthusiasm. Thus, such beauty is indeed necessary for salvation. For in them we receive hope and a constant reminder that we are to become ever more the temple of the Holy Spirit, the living stones which make up the body of Christ. And it is in him we have redemption by his blood, the forgiveness of transgressions, in accord with the riches of his grace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.